Welcome to today's lesson, a Nick Cave podcast. I'm Andrew. And I'm Sean. And today we're going to be talking about the last official track off of The Firstborn is Dead. It's called Blind Lemon Jefferson. Sean, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderfully. I have no complaints. I, I couldn't complain about a damn thing. I've never actually felt better. And so I'm I'm so excited to be here and talk about this song. And I'm honestly kind of excited to, you know, put this album behind us. It's been quite a journey, but uh, now that we're here at the end, I'm getting really stoked for the next few. Andrew, how are you? I'm doing good. Ready to talk about this swell track with you. Um, a reminder, we will be, before fully wrapping up the album, uh, we will be talking about the six strings that drew blood. But yeah, this is this is it. An interesting album and uh what a way to send it off a very cryptic and mysterious song um yeah do you want to get right into it i think we can like rife with imagery uh the music itself is somewhat of a, a paradox and very confusing um yeah let's jump right in and just kind of feel our way around because i think that's what the music feels like to me. That's what the lyrics feel like to me. And let's let's roll with that. Let's roll indeed. Um Sean, who was Blind Lemon Jefferson? Andrew, I'm so glad you asked. Uh Blind Lemon Jefferson, the the object of this song, is uh born in eighteen ninety three. He was born the eighth, seventh or eighth child of a giant family. He was actually born blind. And that's most of what's known. He he made his way to Texas and, you know, started playing the guitar and his style is is incredibly distinctive, very high voice, um fast rhythmic guitar, very complex. Uh and, you know, in his time was not not as respected as many great artists are, but uh not not long after influenced just just about everyone you can think of for blues and rock and roll and you know we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot about that but one of the most influential musicians ever to live yeah absolutely i uh i was mostly unfamiliar with his music but uh i know we did study him in some of our uh music classes in college and uh, yeah hugely influential influential to artists like cave and influential to artists that in turn influenced cave yeah but yeah he 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 died uh died without the riches that you know some of his mostly you know white you know successors did yep absolutely a tale no. as old as time a tale as old as time no a, a peer of you know lead belly who who nick will cover on kicking as the pricks with black betty 
and uh, a good friend of T-Bone Walker, you know, named Rolling Stone's 67th greatest guitar player of all time, actually said to have taught T-Bone how to play blues guitar. Uh, T-Bone would, would go on with on uh, walks with him and, and guide him around in Texas when he'd go in, on his walks and, and just play around town. And um, great friendship and partnership there. But like you said, you know, the one of the biggest names to come out and, you know, use something that uh, Blind Lemon Jefferson actually wrote was Elvis, you know, a, a white counterpart, of course, taking the music of of many black men before him and becoming a far larger star um, in his own time, which is, it's a shame. Yeah, father of the Texas blues influenced B.B. Uh, King as well, but otherwise, yeah, you, you hit everything I was going to hit. Yeah, this song was written by Cave, lyrically, and all four, which is hilarious that there's only four of them at this point, all four <laughs> members of the Bad Seeds, including Nick. This song sort of epitomizes the ambient nature of the album. Now, not every song or moment is like that, but there is a distinct feel to this song. It feels like... You know, it starts with this pure guitar ambience. Almost just sounds like someone shaking a guitar. Yeah. Um, and it kind of reminds me of like heat waves or heat lines coming up from uh, the asphalt. Oh. Um, it's kind of, it really places you somewhere. You get harmonica echoing, you get, um, you know, bass, slide guitar, and these slow sort of heartbeat uh, drums kind of just drop in all at once, um, you know, once the ambience has kind of reached its uh, highest moment and, yeah, then just kind of rolls on from there. Yeah. Yep. Very ramshackle. Very ramshackle. And and like you're saying with the, with the harmonica at the start, it's reminiscent of other tracks on this album. It very much reminds me of Train Long Suffering um, in the way the harmonica kind of blows, and we'll see that later in the song as well. Um, but there's, there's such a distance there. And like you said, the atmosphere that it builds, um, is so thick. It places you somewhere, but this song is always placed to me even before I realized, you know, what it was really about before I looked at the lyrics and, and understood the song. Um, it feels like it places you in darkness and at this, you know, distance that is, that is at the same time vast and claustrophobic. When I listen to this, it's just, there's there's blackness i don't know if if you share that but it's it's always been somewhat of a weird thing that everything else on this album kind of puts you in a specific place it's you know you're in tupelo you're in the desert you're in you know on a hill there's storm raging all this stuff this is i don't know i feel like they did a decent job in making you feel somewhat blind with this music um <laughs> placing you in in this weird ramshackle darkness um with the way they like that. they perform this yeah, very, very interesting, especially with the subject matter. Yeah, it feels like the instruments were kind of just like shit they found by the side of the road, too. <laughs> it's just like that guitar doesn't sound right. That can't that can't be right. It can't be. No, it, it like bubbles and pops. It, it It's so <laughs> weird. It's like boils of music yes. like, coming forward and just popping up in, in little spurts everywhere and they could be hitting a van with a hammer <laughs> for the drums. Like I don't, you know. might as well be. I mean, the more I talk about the song, the more I like it. I, I'll be 
real upfront. It's not one of my favorites, but um, a couple of listens in, it was it was getting there. The harmonica that comes in at the end, it's it's you know, it's blues, but it's Zydeco. It's you know, it's reminding me of all sorts of stuff because there's so much variation in the way they play it. None of it really fits together all that well, but it it all holds together in that ramshackle seeds way that we've seen so far on these two albums. Given that it's credited to all the band members, it does feel like something they probably were just jamming on in the studio, and then it they're kind of like, well, okay, you keep doing this, you keep doing this, and they they sort of went from there. Yeah. Nope. There is a sick live video from the year before this album came out. It's one of the top results on YouTube.com. It is a little rough obviously being from the time period that it is but uh i don't know it kind of enhances it it's a really really fun performance you got mick harvey on drums you got barry adamson on bass you got blixa blowing a fat sig playing (laughs) ambient guitar and nick's just out front doing his thing it's really yeah it's a great video uh you know like the one that you pointed out for knocking on joe uh, we'll try and if we come across these uh, little gems, we'll try and try and point you in the right direction. Yeah, and I gotta say, this era has some great bootleg recordings. Like every recording I've seen off this album that we've mentioned on here has been just absolutely fantastic. Very much enhances the experience. So worth checking out YouTube and and searching around to try and find those and and sit down with them because they are very very cool things. Yeah, that's YouTube.com. <laughs> Um, I want to get into these crazy, cryptic, wild lyrics. Let's do it. Let's fucking do it. Um, let's do it. Verse one, blind lemon Jefferson is a coming tap, tap, tapping with his cane. Blind lemon Jefferson is a coming tap, tap, tapping with his cane. His last ditch lies down the road of trials down the road of trials half filled with rain sean any preliminary thoughts here well i I just want to take a moment and say that was a beautiful rendition my god i didn't know you had that in you um right off the bat we're introduced to the main character blind lemon jefferson as we are in the title Uh, and he's he's a coming towards it tap tap tapping with his cane not not a whole lot to see here. Uh, sorry, no pun intended. Um, but he's coming down the road and he is blind. Um, I did look it up because I was wondering if the timing. Blind Lemon Jefferson again, born in 1893. You know, getting into Texas and and developing his style in 1910 and around there. Uh, the cane, the white cane for the blind, was not really. It was claimed to have been invented in 1920 or so, and uh, was not actually made a law as a as a right of way for blind people until like 1930. So I think there's a little bit uh, of inconsistency here. And you know, from what I could read, he he often walked with a walking stick. So I won't hold it against Cave, but it's a little little weird, a little anachronistic. Uh, fuck up. <laughs> Nick Cave here. It's actually kind of embarrassing. I'm, tr- I'm trying to be nice about it, but it's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, 
we we are immediately thrust into the journey of Blind Lemon Jefferson. Um, as we'll see, it's it's probably been going on for quite some time at this point. His last ditch lies down the road of trials, half filled with rain. Now, there certainly is just sort of an image conjured here for me where, you know, his last ditch, you know, you have last ditch effort, you have last, you know, it could be just meaning his end. Um, Down the road of trials, if you're blind, if you're uh, othered in any way, if you're a different race, you know, I'm sure his life was full of trials just trying to make it. Um, But it also kind of conjured this idea of, to me, Hercules or Heracles and the the laborers are just like, yeah. Yep. A, as we'll see, there will be, you know, sort of a cast of characters that he'll meet, a cast of, of ordeals, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's all I could really get from that. And mythical ordeals, and I really like that tie-in to the classic, the classic heroes, because the Road of Trials is a a just straight from the book um part of the hero's journey it's it's the part where you know the hero goes through and and passes these trials and fails a number of them but you know gets towards his ultimate goal and as cave often does with his characters i think here it's foreshadowing that you know the the path ends uh not necessarily happily you know it's at the end of it it's his last ditch and like you said last ditch effort but it's that that comes from the idea that it's the last thing you do before um being buried before before falling into that ditch he is optimistic here the ditch is half full with rain (laughs) did want to point that out and i usually see these ditches as half empty but that's that's an excellent catch i didn't even think about that um it's a very important point uh (laughs) To make time and time again key key insight <laughs> but yeah so we 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 know that um in a sense at least his time is gonna come pretty soon that's right um verse two. Oh, sycamore sycamore stretch your arms across the storm uh i'm only gonna sit with this for a sec andrew do you what's the significance of the sycamore well, um, I didn't look up the significance of a sycamore as such, but the tree imagery here and the storm imagery and some of the other imagery we're about to see, I think is probably the greatest supporting evidence of your NCU, the Nick Cave Expanded Universe. <laughs> we get a reference to, I believe, every song, save for maybe Wanted Man, that appears on this album in this song as you know whether it's a character whether it's scenery whether it's maybe a trial this is the beginning of us seeing that and and we start off with you know the little girl tree perhaps oh sycamore sycamore yeah and then stretch your arms across the storm being the tupelo reference um otherwise i think it is just just visual imagery but it feels like a callback to me yeah, absolutely. I, I hadn't even thought about that. And um, yeah, looking at the lyrics to the song, we do get a lot of those callbacks. And I think, hell, I'd say the road of trials is itself a, a callback to Wanted Man. <laughs> Big road trip. Fair of enough. 
horrendous trials for this person. Um, Absolutely. But I love that. I love that reading. Uh, well, and it gets stronger too. These are not the, even though this, sh- it seems so clear when you're really thinking about it, it was, it was other lines to come that really made me think about these lines more. Absolutely. Um, I looked it up just to see if there's any reference in Blind Lemon Jefferson's music to Sycamores. And there is actually one um, reference in the song Deceitful Brownskin Blues, where he's singing about a woman that he has um, across town and, and says that she's taller than a sycamore tree. And uh, the, mm. the song references a little bit later. She actually tosses him out and he has to walk through the rain and the snow, um, which which to me is, you know, he has he's cast out by this woman onto the road of trials where it's it's raining. It's everything is wet around him. So I don't know couldn't tell you if that was a direct influence i like it yeah no i i I like it i was reading it i was like i'm making the connection nothing supports that that has actually been said by nick cave or anyone else but um that was the connection i found with the specifically the sycamore uh because then it, it references it as you know that personification stretching the arms out um across the storm and and acting like a person to which yeah. Down fly two greasy brother crows. They hop and bop, they hop and bop, they hop and bop. One of the great line deliveries of all of Nick Cave's discography. Easily. Yeah, before we go any further, you know, if you want to join us on our journey through the album we've just talked a bunch about, you may remember uh, Black Crow King. (laughs) And, uh, you know, perhaps these are two envoys or messengers from uh the black crow king or from you know some i guess you could just even take it as some mystic deity of the south or some entity that resides in this area and they're hopping down onto the uh the tree perhaps like the tax man come to call they go knock 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 Hop and bop, hop and bop. They slap a death writ on his door. Sean, what is this in reference to, perhaps? So, a death writ is a uh, condemnation to death for somebody. It is it is an order of death. And as we saw earlier in Knocking on Joe, I'm just I'm totally on board with your reading here. Um, I think that this is a callback to death row. I think this is a callback to you know being condemned. Um, being a condemned man and not necessarily saying at all that he is in prison or anything, but that, you know, these, these crows and they strike me as very celestial beings as sort of mythic creatures that are uh, coming down and perhaps giving him like the tax man, the other unavoidable fact of life uh, that his, (laughs) his road will end with his end that, you know, this condemnation, when I, when I first heard this, I was thinking, you know, God, was he, you know, as a black man in the early 1900s, was there like active threats against him? Was he constantly under attack? Was there any sort of event that this is this is coming from? And I couldn't find anything, um, which which led me to believe that I think that this is just you know his end, and he did meet an early end, and so I think Cave might be playing with that by by having these messengers come down and and slap this on his door. Yeah, and I I mean the just because it wasn't you know described in any biographies we could find doesn't mean this kind of stuff doesn't happen or didn't happen um yeah. regularly um but 
Blind Lemon Jefferson's pretty shrouded in mystery, so it it, w- it was pretty hard to find um, a whole lot about him. So I think I think that's a good point. Um, I love your point about the tax man being, other than the Grim Reaper, <laughs> the other unavoidable, you know, the death and taxes thing. That's a great, uh, great, great pull. I, I love that. Um, and yeah, this is the one that really made me start thinking about the album when the crows go knock, 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 and then slap a death writ on his door. It was like, okay, well, you know, this is, I just thought about, you know, crows because of black crow king and their appearance here. And then I've got knocking on Joe in my head. And then, you know, as we move into verse three, we'll get a little bit, a little bit more of that. Yeah. absolutely and i i also you know crows birds in general have always been uh used throughout human history as as you know somewhat uh portentous omens and so back in roman days it was actually auspices um or an auspicious i think is is literally person who looks at birds and augury used to be the practice of of predicting things by watching the movement and you know eating habits of birds of which crows were very much a part of that um (laughs) and so when i think of this i think cave might also be alluding to the fact that perhaps you know uh lemon jefferson's blindness as um it was you know a great greek tradition something of a mystical thing in itself that you know there is some oracle quality um to him which you know as you start going down that hole he was so far ahead of his time with his music he inspired so many people he could you know as this blind man as this blind black man in the early 1900s did so much to to foresee where things were going with with music and you know just made his mark in such a short period of time um it very much feels like this is playing into that that tradition of um you know fable of myth um and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the specifics of that um, here in a verse or two, but um, this is this is the mystical part of the song that you know Diggin and I actually really like um, when you start talking about the crows and and what that means. Yeah, we'll see. You know, Cave. We've seen him mythologize Elvis. We'll see him mythologize himself. You know, I, there is something to this song where it is a little bit more ambiguous, and. Uh, you know, obviously that the idea of the storm or the flood is amazing in Tupelo, but this one is just so, just gets me. I love it. Yeah, it got me. It got me this time through. And it said it earlier. This has never really been one that stuck with me. It's, I don't know, when I put an album on and not really, by about halfway through, you know, you start fading out. And if the last song is kind of this, this pacing and this sort of like really understated for the first part and then kind of a cacophony, I just didn't really stick with me and now that i've listened to it this is this is one of the top on the album for me honestly i only buy singles on itunes so i am not familiar (laughs) with the album experience but i will take your word for it (laughs) i'm trying to get you to listen to things all the way through one day we'll get there hopefully with this (laughs) pot the format of this podcast has been rough because we're listening to them one at a time you can still buy each one for 3.99 a piece but (laughs) We're stuck in the past and we're not leaving. <laughs> Verse three, here come the judgment train. Get on board and turn that big black engine home. Oh, let's roll. Let's roll down the tunnel. 
the terrible tunnel of his world, waiting at his final station, like a bigger, blacker third bird. A let's roll, let's roll. You know, obviously, if we're if we're if we're doing a Pepe Sylvia <laughs> on that that conspiracy board, here's where we put the yarn and the uh, pin into train long suffering. Uh, we did it. We found the train. A lot of use of blackness in this song and on this album. Now, that makes sense to me in this song, especially because everything is shrouded in in darkness for Blind Lemon Jefferson. Yeah. But also, it almost feels, and he mentions, you know, the big black train in Train Long Suffering. It, it, and we'll get to this a little later in our analysis, but this album does feel, to me, you know, this does feel like a celebration of black music. Yeah. So the Judgment Train, um, you know, more, more clues that he's going on a one-way trip down the tunnel, the terrible tunnel of his world. You know, this, this is, he's, he's basically, you know, the road of trials is, is going to end very soon waiting at his final station, you know, he's, he's, yeah, his journey's about to end, basically. Yeah, no, he's, he's hopping on the train, and I, I think that this plays a nice foil to train long suffering in that that is a very manic, very, you know, obsessive and, and furious way to go through life. It's the sort of thing that you can dwell and focus on the suffering, and, and it drives you mad, and your train, you know, punches its way through mountains and, and furiously, you know, goes fucking off the tracks uh like a crazy train but uh here we get this melancholy atmospheric approach to to death you know it's this man walking along his road enduring his trials uh he's he's then waiting at the station to be taken on the judgment train to you know await his judgment uh again i think possibly a callback to knocking on joe in that that's the only time you can ever really be judged and so conductor says get on a board and he does and uh going home it's you know his chariot that's going to take him over jordan uh as he stands there waiting his final station and and station yeah. was another interesting word here um the final station of the cross is is christ in the sepulcher um so i think that that might be a reference back to the ditch in that you know at the end of the day this is when he actually gets on the train and, and flies off he is the third bird there is there is portents to these events and you know it just creates this air of mysticism around his life and and his death um yeah and a very optimistic let's roll yeah yeah let's do it well and it's an interesting choice of words too because blind leverage everson kicked off effectively rock and roll and um you know, picking the role, this isn't, this isn't quite rock, but it's, it's the other half and the train rolls on and, you know, we, we kick it into gear 20, 30 years later, um, heavily borrowed and, and twisted into something else. But, you know, there's probably nothing there. It's probably just a choice of words, but I, I found that funny, uh, well, reading through. Rolling Stones, you know, Papa was a Rolling Stone. Yep. I, you know, it's, it's all part of the rock vernacular, I suppose absolutely these next lines verse four this feels like and he'll he'll dip into this throughout this album but very rarely this feels like 
these lyrics are written in like a blues structure, almost like a 12 bar blues. Um, mm-hmm. Not quite, but, um, oh, his road is dark and lonely. He don't drive no Cadillac. Oh, his road is dark and holy. He don't drive no Cadillac. If that sky serves as his eyes, then that moon's a cataract. Let's roll. Yeah, let's roll. Yeah, I, I guess, what do you make of these these last lines? It's, uh, inter- it's, it's an interesting turn. I think it brings us a little bit back to a Christian interpretation of his life, where, you know, the fact that he has to go through these trials, it's very much a, a parable of a life, the way Cave is putting it. Um, the darkness, you know, kind of cuts him off from the rest of the world. It's a very lonely life, but, you know, he makes it through and he does so not ostentatiously. He's not driving a Cadillac. He's walking and, and ultimately on the train. Um, yeah, I think it just furthers, furthers the mythology that is being built here around him. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, the mythology around him, that's definitely part of it. I, I think the fact that he died poor, you know, his road is dark and lonely and, and he never, you know, never made it big. And yet here he is this cataclysmic force, you know, powerful enough for Cape to write a song about powerful enough to influence the greats, you know, BB King and, and then Elvis and, and all these great musicians this to me feels like a rare moment where Cave is talking about a character imagined or real and not mocking them openly in some way. <laughs> like this feels fair. like a really honest sort of like eulogistic, hope that's a word, kind of way to, you know, cement the pain of this character, you know, whether this is the actual blj or or an imagined uh, mythologized version is is up for debate i suppose but it feels like i'm sure nick's been in some nice cars right i would imagine like this guy probably wasn't but he put some people in some nice fucking cars you know yeah the, the the sacrifice ultimately you know looking at looking at that life um from the distance we have now it, it is uh, a sacrifice and again going back to just the idea of it as a parable uh it's interesting and i think that that i think that that's what cave's kind of getting at here and let's be honest he would have fucking driven a cadillac were he able to you know he would have yes. he would have driven that you know model t or whatever they bullshit they had at that point that could barely get down the street you know he would have had he the chance to take agency, you know, he probably wouldn't have chosen to be a martyr for uh, Elvis <laughs> to get laid, you know, a billion times. Uh, but I, I think that this is a rare moment of Cave, at this stage in his career at least, because he will, he will become very frank, you know, very real at, at certain points. Up till now, this feels like the most, I don't know, the most uh, earnest yeah. cave. Yeah, no, that was that was the word I was I was going for um, when I when I was reaching for the speech and the word to be heard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And this last line, if that sky serves as his eyes and the moon's a cataract, um, mm -hmm. it's an interesting callback to the moon is in the gutter. Uh, I think we said back then, you know, the last time we'd hear the moon acting as a cataract. Um, yes. In that song, the, the light of the moon is what's blinding the person directly. This is, you know, the sky itself is his eyes. It, again, feels more reverent. We're not talking about that drunk stumbling home. We're talking about a man who is, you know, moving down his path and and who Cave clearly respects. Um, and it's it's another interesting call to the idea of Blind Lemon Jefferson as the Oracle or as, you know, this, you know, auspice. Uh, another aspect of auspices back in ancient Rome wasn't just birds. It was also looking at the sky. It was, you know, if, if thunder clapped, mm. that was an auspice, and that was something that an auger did. Um, and one of the interesting things, things I read was augury is actually attributed to um, Tircius, which is the main character in uh, Euripides' play, The Bacchae. And Tircius is a blind oracle, and he was credited by Pliny the Elder in 2 AD or something as the father of augury, which is reading these auspices. And so mm. all of this bird imagery, all of this storm imagery, <laughs> saying that the sky is his eyes and that, you know, the moon might be blocking some of that. It's, it's, it all calls back to what we'll see a lot later from Cave, which is this callback to antiquity and this callback to, you know, the, the, the myths of the ancient myths. And I think he's, yes. he's kind of feeling his way out here. Um, this isn't as on the nose as, you know, the later shit like uh, Lyra of Orpheus and stuff like that. But um, right. it's certainly in that same that same realm. And I, I definitely get that vibe uh, from these last two lines. I was I was searching and searching with these last two. But, you know, it it, it plays into that um, reading and I think I think supports that in some way. Yeah, I, I love that. I mean, the man's well read. You have to. I, I there's so many examples of him pulling from these you know very specific sources i think that that um you know he he attracts a lot of people like us that dig you know sometimes maybe a little too deep but we like to dig into his music because he does draw from these sources and that's part of the fun is you know you never know when he's going to pull a reference on you that you weren't aware of or who better to mythologize um, a predecessor than someone who who can sort of make those uh, illusions yeah yeah absolutely yeah really cool stuff i mean i that's the song you know i i, I do choose to in my head sort of accept that verse four as sort of a, a final kindness uh cave does in mythologizing the blues um on this album uh to be in honor of the people that he is stealing from now other musicians obviously have stolen without giving credit you know led zeppelin he, he, yeah. robert plant yep. now i think you see interviews and, and he's very you know talks about how much he owes uh, the Beatles, you know, this people that didn't necessarily give credit where it was due. Finally, the Beatles I are think, getting their due. Yeah. We're taking them to task. Um, <laughs> if we, if we wind up in a half full ditch, you know, it was Paul or Ringo 
<laughs> dude Palm- no but so many people sorry no go ahead <laughs> what were you gonna say <laughs> paul mccartney didn't get a starbucks contract until he was 65 that is a crime <laughs> that's true if only starbucks had been around early earlier but no i i think nick cave does does care about where he's getting this stuff and if you're going to do an album like this that's so derivative or an album like kicking against the pricks where it is covers um a lot of them from african americans you it uh it's important to not just take the money you gotta you gotta give credit and even on top of getting giving credit uh where it's due i think these lines and this song in particular it's almost like he was compelled to to bookend his his uh mythologizing of elvis with mythologizing of someone not as widely known but of equal and most likely greater import yeah and it's it's with that that reverence that cave is kind of you know elevating Blind Lemon Jefferson to a holy station to, you know, the position of being the the sky itself, you know, the watcher yes. over over everyone and, you know, the everyone to come bef- after him and um, as the progenitor of modern music. And so, yeah, I feel like this is very reverential, very earnest and very reverential, which is, as you said, very new for us with game. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, it's not to say that like his cover of Avalanche isn't uh you know he 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 approached that obviously pretty earnestly but you know picking something like in the ghetto from elvis it's like that i don't know it's kind of a goofy one but obviously he loves elvis yeah yep so that's blind lemon jefferson next episode we will be listening to as we've said the b-side to tupelo and uh the last song on the cd release um, in some places of this album the six strings that drew blood so check that one out and then check out that same next episode for our the firstborn is dead wrap up in which we rank the songs we know you love it yeah do you have do you have anything anything else for this one before we go we got we hit your your ncu that's right constantly expanding we'll continue expanding that uh you hit on... five new films confirmed for next year <laughs> i'm sorry next month robert downey jr to star uh in an unnamed nick cave film so far as blind lemon jefferson <laughs> jesus christ in the oh no tropic oh, Thunder no. Tradition. <laughs> oops oi 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 um no, I think you hit everything. I know that everyone at home is is just waiting with bated breath to hear how we rank these songs. And so the wait is over, people. Next week we we will we're, run this we're down. We're done edging you. That's right. You will you will blow. You will explode. And I know that you're <laughs> swelling right now with anticipation. It's just one more week until you can release and you know get that get that sweet sweet feel that euphoria that comes with knowing what song. It's that feel you love. <laughs> from our podcast when you hear which song is my number one favorite that won't be able to hold back those feelings that we all feel 
mostly. He, he, oh. I'm just I'm excited just thinking about it. So um, you 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 can know that I am I'm sweating right now with anticipation. Sean, where can they find us? They can find us in a number of places uh, with access to the internet and a a mail account, an email account specifically. Uh, today's lesson pod at gmail.com. Shoot us shoot us a note. Tell us how we're doing. Uh, good or bad. Hey, send us send us your your uh, rankings for this album if you want. Oh. We'll take a look. We'll see what what you what you threw down. That is a good. We, that is the first ask I think we've had of of our listeners. But yes, please. How do you rank this album? Give us your give us your list. Editorialize. Give us something else, or just you know send a bulleted list with no other words. We want to hear from you. Please do. Uh, we might read it. We very well no guarantees on that one but we might if we agree with it we'll probably read it um you can find us on twitter at today's lesson pod you can reply to us with your list on twitter uh or you can find us on OnlyFans at uh, no wait sorry patreon patreon.com slash today's lesson uh reach out anywhere you are and remember, as always, leave those sweet, sweet five-star reviews and tell everyone you know to tune in next week for another episode of Today's Lesson Pod because you love it so much. You do. You love it. You will give us five golden stars. Um, you'll you'll tell your friends. You'll reply to us on Twitter. You know, all these great things uh, will really help us, and you will do them. Ooh, and maybe you'll stalk me too. Ooh. Um, five stars that, only save that for my partner only please <laughs> uh, a, a shiny a shiny hundred dollar bill for anyone that can find you Drew. 101 dollars uh, <laughs> first person that can take out Sean he lives at I'm declaring a bounty on Andrew's head five hundred dollars this just in uh, spotted in Baton Rouge, which means red stick in a French. <laughs> We're paying fifty thousand dollars for his head, on dead the, or alive. On the he I- can keep his head alive <laughs> without his body. We'll be impressed. The island principality of Galveston has placed a bounty on Andrew Andrew's head, million dollars, one million dollars. Bring him to my last name. I will fucking kill you. <laughs> We must we must bring him to our glass pyramids and put him in the desert with the sharks. I can't breathe. It's all water. <laughs> Sean. Andrew. Until next time. Let's roll. Yeah, let's roll. That was the that was your idea for an outro. It's so what is, it's so good and effortless. What is wrong just, with you? <laughs> you just you just pissed all over it. Let's roll. It's from the song. Oh, we God. just talked about it. Oh my God. Well, yeah, what are we going to do next episode? We'll gonna do use it that again. A, then it's not from the song. Well, for this one, <laughs> let's roll. I'm leaving. Bye. Bye.